Taylor Ball here. This year was a blow to the ego. My first year at university showed me that, well, I'm not quite as great as I think I am. Sometimes I'm just plain old okay. And I've accepted that. So here's Taylor's take on owning my okayness. Let's get this ball rolling. I'm someone who has always prided myself on my intelligence and extracurricular involvement. In high school, I got straight A's and I was always the top of my class and I was involved in student government, I participated and also ran clubs and I got most of the positions I applied for, whether that was a position on student government, on a volunteer trip or as a first responder. In general, I applied and I got it. I was the bee's knees and I was super confident in my abilities. I could not wait to wow everyone at university with my awesomeness. If you're in high school and you're like me, smart, involved, and overall pretty darn awesome, I'm about to burst your bubble. University is a whole other level. Bam, boom, burst, your bubbles have been popped. <laughs> at least that was my experience. At the start of the year, I wanted to join a ton of clubs and I realized two things. Number one, to join a club, you need to apply. You need a written application, a creative component, an in-person interview, and more. The whole nine yards. Two, these clubs are very competitive. I was rejected for every club and position I applied to. It sucked, but I'm not one to give up. So I moved on and applied for the next club. And when that didn't work, I applied for another one after that. And guess what? I was R-E-J-E-C-T-E-D rejected. I'll admit, there were more than a few tears. But I want to share with you one of my ultimate low moments this year. A few weeks ago, I applied to be a leader for the first year Commerce Orientation Week. The orientation leaders are called bosses, and almost everyone wants to be one. It's pretty safe to say that Orientation Week is the highlight of first-year commerce. It's crazy, fun, competitive. There's chanting, ridiculous costumes, extravagant traditions and events. Essentially, it's a full-blown cult. So I desperately wanted to be a boss. There are 64 spots, 32 for girls, 32 for boys, which seemed like a lot, but with over half of our faculty applying for a spot, it quickly became really competitive. But who doesn't love a little bit of competition? <laughs> the application process was way more intense than any other position I had applied to. It consisted of a long written application with several essay responses and a challenge. We had to write a story about the history of Chief Boss using 64.5 words. Exactly. I still don't know what 0.5 of a word is, but, oh well, moving on. For those of you who don't know, Chief Boss is the cult leader of Commerce Frosh Week. He is painted entirely gold, he always wears a suit, and he is constantly accompanied by his posse of security guards who all wear matching sunglasses. Students desperately try to win his affection by serenading him, polishing his shoes, or showering him with compliments. Why? Because, here's the crazy part. He's rumored to be a billionaire. 
But the whole thing is made 10 times more unbelievable when you learn that some students believe that all the rumors are true and that he is actually a billionaire. What can I say? We get a little bit brainwashed. Anyway, back to my story. The biggest part of the boss application process is the creative interview. Applicants must perform a four-minute presentation about why they want to be a boss. It's usually done in partners, and it's almost always outrageously crazy. Just to give you a taste of how crazy it actually is, on my application form, it said, in the creative interview, applicants are forbidden to swear and insult other faculties, but it also said, it is forbidden to use water, fire, or wait for it, live animals in your presentation. What can I say? It gets a little bit out of hand. So here I was planning on doing a skit with my really good friend. We were brainstorming ideas, planning our costumes, and then suddenly, the weekend before our presentation, she loses her hearing. She becomes deaf. Now, I don't know how that happened, but she gets rushed to the hospital and spends the next few days there. Apparently, a combination of stress and lack of sleep can make you go deaf, so rest up, kids. <laughs> now, at this point, I'm not exactly the most sympathetic person. I feel really bad that she lost her hearing and all, but I'm kind of more worried about the fact that I lost my partner for our skit. I know, I know. I'm a horrible person. I get it. It hasn't fallen on deaf ears. <laughs> Pun intended. Don't worry. She got her hearing back. Anyway, here I am scrambling to find a new partner. Eventually, I decide I'm going to do this alone. Solo. I mean, it really can't be that hard. I totally changed my course of action. After some brainstorming, I decided it would be really funny if I dress up and play the parts of two different people. I would be making fun of the fact that I don't have a partner. I decide to play a boy and a girl who each represent different sides of myself. The boy Taylor is nerdy, organized, logical, and by the book. The girl Taylor is fun, easygoing, relatable, a bit wild, and a little flaky. To really drive home the fact that I'm playing two characters, I make a customized costume. I buy two outfits from Value Village, which I then cut completely in half and glue together. For the skit, I'm wearing half a skirt, one leg of pants, half a blouse, and half a shirt. As a final touch, I do half my makeup and draw on half a beard. It's ridiculous. I had figured out my costume and the general idea of what I was going to do, but I still needed a script. I obviously need to know what I'm going to say and what I'm going to do during those four minutes. I decide to do a poem, and to go with my dual personality theme, I plan to recite it in two different voices. Obviously, that's a super easy thing to do, or so I thought. Before I go on, I just want to say one thing. I have never thought super highly of acting. Whenever I see plays, I always kind of think, I can do a little bit better, if not a whole lot better. I know, I know, I'm an egomaniac. But I have never acted in my life. So I had no idea how hard, how challenging, and how utterly terrifying it actually is. So to you actors out there listening, you guys have a ton of talent. Way to go. 
color me amazed. After spending hours practicing, I'm ready for my big debut. I get all dressed up, I pack my props, and leave. By the time I get to the interview, I'm sweating and I have butterflies in my stomach. Before going in, I run to the bathroom, power pose, and say, Taylor, you can do this. And most surprisingly of all, I believe what I say. I walk into the interview and completely panic. There are at least a dozen people sitting in the room. It's a classroom, by the way. They're staring at me, and here I am, dressed in an embarrassing outfit, about to make a fool of myself. I'm flustered and thrown off guard. As I look around the room, I suddenly realize that I haven't actually practiced in front of a live audience before. Shoot. Someone asks me to fill out the information on the blackboard. I turn around and see a list with a few fill-in-the-blanks. Name? Question mark. That's easy. I write my name. I move on to the next line. It says cell? Question mark. As in C-E-L-L? Question mark. I know I'm going to sound like a complete idiot when I say this, but I honestly have no idea what they're talking about at this point. I have severe tunnel vision, and all I can think of that relates to the word cell is prison cell, as in, what's your prison cell number, as in, the location of your prison bedroom. I have no idea where my prison cell is. After a solid 45 seconds go by, I'm still staring at the word cell, like a complete moron. Someone tries to help me out by saying, your cell phone number. And I blank on that too before eventually writing a cell number. Clearly, I make a great first impression. By this point, I'm shaking and can't stop. They ask me to start my presentation, and I forget every single one of my lines. Which is crazy, because it's a poem, and every two lines rhyme, and I manage to forget not one, but both lines in the rhyme. I fumble and mess up, even when I read off my notes. What's worse is that I'm doing this as two characters and I keep forgetting to change my voice and I end up saying the wrong lines for the wrong voice. <laughs> and the skit was meant to be funny, but not one person laughed. At the end of the skit, I had planned to have the girly Taylor give the interviewers a cake and joke that it was a bribe. She was supposed to say, thank you for your time. I really loved the vibe. To thank you, I baked you a cake, consider it a bribe. And then the male tailor interrupts her and says, Taylor, stop. That's so unprofessional. Don't do that. Apologies. Instead, I'd like to offer you my business card, and I'd be happy to connect on LinkedIn for a coffee chat. And then I would hand out the cake and the business cards, but I realized I had squished the cake in my bag. It looked really gross. And when I went to hand out the business cards, my hands were shaking so much that I was accidentally flinging them at people. It was horrific. I finished my skit and almost burst into tears, but I held it together long enough to embarrass myself on the follow-up questions too. Full-blown disaster. At the end of it all, I ran outside and started sobbing. Picture this. Me, dressed as half a man, half a woman, openly sobbing on a public bus as I phone 
and cry to my mom. I'm just going to let that image sink in. It was a low moment for me. While I was talking to my mom about how badly I messed up, I realized that the entire skit had been recorded so the interviewers could rewatch it later. So there is a physical record of my lowest moment which will probably come back to haunt me if I ever become famous. Great. <laughs> I don't know if I can really capture how embarrassing the whole fiasco was, so please just take my word. I'm not sure if you're surprised to hear, but I didn't get the position. However, I'm not going to let that define me. I'm still proud of what I did, except for the public wailing on public transport, but I'm still proud. When my partner couldn't perform, I didn't quit. I adopted my plans. And even though I had never acted before, I challenged myself and I tried something new. It didn't go well, but I tried, and that's what matters. Because in order to grow and improve, we need to falter and fail sometimes. My mom has a saying, she says, good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good is better and your better is your best. So it's okay if I'm not at my best right now because it's about the process. At the moment, I'm only okay. But if I stick with it and continue to put myself out there and learn from my mistakes, I'll get better. And then eventually I'll be my best. That's just how the process works. So the next time you fail a test, you get rejected, you lose an important competition, or you straight up embarrass yourself, remember, it's a process, and failure is a step towards improving. You just have to stick with it and try again next time. So that's my take on the topic. What do you think? What was one of your biggest failures? Did you stop, or did you get up, brush yourself off, and try again? I want to hear your thoughts, but for now, I gotta bounce.